Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. The Guardian. It was an attempt to stop the advance of the desert. It was only with the discovery that actually the forest is there. It's been cut, but it's still alive. It's underground in the form of uh, living tree stumps with the ability to re-sprout, just lying in the ground, ready for an opportunity to grow. Tony Ronaldo is an Australian agronomist credited with launching a tree regeneration technique that has led to the reforestation of millions of hectares of degraded land. He's known as the forest maker. I guess the, the forest maker bit is the work that we did in encouraging people to bring this forest back, convincing them that it's in their best interest to allow at least some of these trees to grow. They and their children will have a better future with a tree landscape rather than a barren one. This year for his efforts, Tony is one of the recipients of the Wright Livelihood Award. Previous winners include US whistleblower Edward Snowden and Syria's White Helmet Rescue Teams. It recognises people who we class as um, dependent and and poor and maybe hopeless. It recognises that they are partners in their own development and they can play an active role very successfully in turning around their situation. So that's what makes me happiest about this. This is Small Changes, a podcast about how sometimes the seemingly smallest change can have the biggest impact. This week we look at how Tony's technique of regrowing trees from tree stumps, roots or seeds, dubbed Farmer Managed Natural Regeneration, or FMNR, has brought about extraordinary life-changing results in dozens of countries, from Senegal to Ethiopia. I'm Lucy Lamble. Tony Renaudo is Principal Natural Resources Advisor for World Vision Australia. His decades of experience include 18 years in Niger, managing a long-term agricultural development programme. Tony now lives in Melbourne, but grew up in the Ovens Valley in northeast Victoria. His childhood swimming and fishing in the Alpine region shaped his future outlook. It was a great childhood, but it, it shaped me deeply because at that time there were a lot of use of heavy chemicals to spray the crops, and they, they delivered the spray in aeroplanes, and so the drift would go into the rivers and kill the fish. And at the same time, the bush, which I loved, was being bulldozed. And as a child, I just couldn't understand the mentality. But also at the the same time as I was witnessing this environmental destruction, 
I was very interested in global events and I'd watch the news, I would read magazines and I, I couldn't understand why children just like me who happened to be born somewhere else were growing up hungry while in our district the main crop was tobacco and hops and, and things like that. So those things really shaped me and, and the, the kind of life I wanted to live and the, the impact that I wanted to have. After graduating with a degree in rural science, Tony joined the missionary organisation Serving in Mission and in 1981 headed for the Sahel, hoping to use his knowledge to improve people's lives. I wrote on the um, application form that I was interested in dryland agriculture and that really sealed our fate because there was a vacancy at a, a farm school that hadn't been filled for a number of years and they put our names down for that position. And as soon as I realized it was in Niger, I'd have to learn French, I, I objected and I said, oh, it's quite dry land in northern Nigeria, send us there. But our fate was sealed. Arriving in Niger, he found a semi-arid belt of barren, sandy and rock-strewn land. In the preceding decade, there had been drought and famine and Tony worked with people facing serious challenges. Niger is a landlocked country. It's a borderland of the Sahara Desert, and possibly uh, a third to 50% of the landmass would be actual Sahara Desert. South of the Sahara is the Sahel Zone. 80-85% of the population are farmers and pastoralists, so you've got this population almost entirely dependent on what they can grow. In a climate that's biased against them, you're almost assured a failure in, in any one year. Um, a few years ago, we went back and we spoke to the Department of Agriculture. But three years out of five were crop failure years. And that, that's devastating if that's your prime source of income and food. So every year you'd, you'd look to the skies and you'd wonder, is it going to be a good rainy season this year? Will people grow a crop? Will, will they be hungry? So it was quite... Quite challenging, and we were young. We were new graduates out of um, university. We'd studied agriculture, and supposedly you land there as the resident experts and people looking to you for solutions, and, and really nothing in our training can prepare you for those conditions. Tony and his colleagues set about raising seedlings in a nursery, and when they were ready, they planted trees with the local population. But there were problems from the outset. There was a habit then from the government of planting on the 3rd of August, which was absolutely ridiculous. I couldn't understand the rationale for that, except that was tree day. <laughs> and the reason why it didn't make sense was the 3rd of August is towards the end of the rainy season. And then you have eight months of heat and no rain at all. And the seedlings have a small root mass, maybe thirty less than 30 centimetres of roots, and you expect this little sapling to survive for eight months with no rain and certainly no watering. And so the first thing we did was to plant right with the first rains and preferably if we could convince the farmers to water them even before the rains so they had a head start. But even with that, the odds were stacked against success. There was no fencing there was the long dry period, there was ignorance and people thought, no, we need food crops and cash crops. Tony's crazy, 
and it's going to take up land and compete with our crops. And I'm, I'm sure many trees simply got pulled up. So it was very, very discouraging, and I, I could have easily given up then. After the break, we hear how Tony made a breakthrough and how his innovative technique has gone on to improve the livelihoods of millions of people. The way I remember it, in that instant, everything changed. It wasn't a question of budget or of technology. It was a question of mindsets. We'll be right back. Last year, The Guardian tracked all the deaths of young people due to knife crime and explored the themes that emerged in an award-winning series called Beyond the Blade. Why are they carrying a knife in an area where they know people but they feel that they have to acquit themselves from other people? We saw many people suffering, but we also saw many fighting back. We've got to start looking at how we talk and how we generalise and how we categorise just ordinary people that are poorer than other people or people who don't have as much as other people. For this new series, journalists from The Guardian travel to Bristol, Birmingham and Croydon in South London to listen to some of those people. Society tends to look down at young people once they've made a wrong choice and what we're saying by that is that we're writing them off. And rather than report on their conversations, we let them speak for themselves. When I come out of jail, I'd never been praised before I'd turned my life around. And when I come out and got praised for the work that I was doing, I thrived. That gap needs to be built up a, a bit sooner, you know? As opposed to... Yeah, just waiting to hear from hear from me because I'm waiting to hear from the next generation as well. So we're all waiting and there's no like action happening, happening, happening. If families are fractured, that has an impact on a young person. If a father and a mother get divorced, that has an impact on our young people. And I think the only way they know how to make people sit up and say, listen, there's a real problem going on here is by violence. To listen to all three episodes, head over to theguardian.com forward slash podcast or subscribe by searching Beyond the Blade on your favourite podcast app. Welcome back to Small Changes. I'm Lucy Lamble. Before the break, we heard from Australian agronomist Tony Renaudo who explained the challenges of attempting to grow trees in one of the most inhospitable environments on Earth. Scarcely 10% of Tony's seedlings survived the heat and dust storms, and the ones that did would often be eaten by goats or cut down by people for firewood. He was close to giving up, but in 1983 had a Damascene moment when delivering trees. I was letting down the air pressure in the tyres. I was actually delivering trees, and thinking this is hopeless I'm wasting my time better to give up and go home but I at that time letting out the air pressure I looked around and even though I had seen what appeared to be desert bushes or perhaps weeds I'd seen them I'd been on that track almost weekly for two and a half years this day they stood out and my curiosity got the better of me I took a closer look 
and you can tell that the species uh, leaf shape is very distinctive and I could recognize the few remnant trees in the landscape. As soon as I took that closer look at the leaf, I realized it's not a weed or a bush at all. This is a tree that's been cut down and it has the full potential, enormous energy stored in that tree stump, full potential to become a tree. The way I remember it, in that instant, everything changed. And I realized it wasn't a question of budget or of technology or how many staff and how much time you've got. It was a question of mindsets. What was necessary to convince people that it was in their best interest to regenerate what was already there? And that that became the emphasis. Rather than planting fresh trees, his new technique relied on nurturing the regrowth of local trees and shrubs from existing tree stumps, roots and seeds. Through careful management, the farmers could bolster the growth of these trees, previously regarded as in the way, and use them to help improve conditions for food production. The impact of this technique has been incredible. Let let me build the context. Niger, edge of the Sahara Desert, one of the poorest countries in the world. Over the next 20 years, 5 million hectares of farmland, we're not talking about virgin forest that's uh, wilderness now, we're talking about people having to make a living and you've got an average now of 40 trees per hectare across 5 million hectares. The impact has been, by one estimate, every year without any government subsidy or inputs, farmers are growing an additional 500,000 tonnes of grain every year because of the improved microclimate, the better soil fertility, the reduced wind speed and temperature, Some of these trees are putting nitrogen in the soil. All of them are putting organic matter. It's had that impact. And then in terms of income, gross income, so what people consume and what they sell as a result of having now having trees in the landscape, it's in the order of $900 million per year directly to the farmers. So it's had the most amazing impact. At least 22 African countries are now using the method, and more and more NGOs are promoting it in collaboration with farmers and community groups. But despite the success of the scheme, it is still sometimes met with a degree of resistance. I read a lovely statement that said all truths pass through three stages. At first, it's ridiculed. And, you know, we were laughed at. I was the crazy white farmer, and this was a stupid idea. Secondly, it's opposed and particularly for vested interests, people who were selling firewood illegally or wanting to clear land illegally, they opposed this because they saw it as a threat. And surprisingly, to, to a degree, professionals who stake their careers, their reputation on a certain approach to reforestation, it was a little bit of an insult to say that this could be done by uneducated farmers with no equipment and no investment. But eventually it becomes accepted as self-evident. And I, I believe we're on the cusp of that. It is spreading. It is becoming better known. There are coalitions of non-government organisations. There are more and more, particularly African governments, that now know the Niger story and they're taking steps to replicate it. 
and Tony's found that the easiest way to spread the word isn't to try to persuade local farmers himself, but to let farmers spread the word themselves. These days we have the benefit of being able to organise an exchange visit. I didn't have that in Niger. And stepping back, let the farmers talk to the farmers. That's how it spread in Niger. Farmers convinced farmers, not NGOs, not expatriates. And someone actually said to me, Tony, if you tell us something, we won't believe you because if it's wrong, we suffer, but you get back in the aeroplane and go back to comfortable Australia. If a farmer tells us, we'll believe them because we know that their livelihood depends on it. So what further changes does Tony want to see now? Certainly there's always room for improvements and it lays a great platform for agricultural improvements. We can now plant better crops because we've dealt with meeting basic needs and a lot of farmers say, oh, what's next? And they look to improve beekeeping and some of these wild fruits can be grafted with improved cultivars. You can intercrop them with better varieties of your traditional crops and so on. So we, we, we can improve the way we do FM&R and get a, a, a greater benefit from that. My big dream really is to see FM&R introduced into at least 100 countries by 2030. Nearly every country in the developing world is deforested to one degree or another and suffering because of that. And and just seeing the benefit and the speed that it spread in Niger, I've become a bit of an evangelist for this. And and that's my dream, to see it in 100 countries. If you liked this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and drop me a line at podcasts at theguardian.com. Small Changes was produced by Danielle Stevens and Simon Barnard. I'm Lucy Lamble. Thanks for listening. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.